Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Troll. It is a pleasure to be here with you on this beautiful Tuesday evening. And by beautiful, I mean the exact opposite. It is nasty. It is raining. Last week, I was all alone. And we talked about God crying. He cried all day last week. I was all alone because producer Sam was gone. But then at the end of the show, like we recorded the show right when it stopped, I walked outside. It was no longer raining anymore. So I think the show appeased God. Hmm. So I think we're doing the same thing today. It was pouring down raining right when we started. It stopped recording. So last week I was all alone. And yet for some reason, people still listened. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a fun last few weeks. Uh, four of our last five shows are now already in the top 10 most downloaded ever. Like oh. in the last like five episodes, uh, the audience is continuing to grow. People are getting excited about it. So thank you and welcome in for all of you new listeners. All right. Got another great show today, but I didn't want to do it, do it alone. I didn't want to tempt fate. And say, okay, God, we had a good show with just me. I don't think I have another one in me this year. So I brought in my good friend to be our guest co-host today, Miss Allison Sullivan. Allison, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. It's always a a good time. So you came on the show way back in the first 10. Yeah. And then like beginning of this year, end of last year. Uh You uh, So people might have heard you. I mean, there's... I mean, I know that everybody goes back and listens to like the fifth episode. I mean, I just know that everybody does. Uh So uh, who is the illustrious? I don't know what that word means. I just assume that it's a good thing and that I complimented you. I'm very bad at complimenting people. I'm not feeling offended over here. So keep it up. Well, good. No one has ever (laughs) not felt offended on this show. So fantastic. It's early. (laughs) We've got the whole rest of the evening to go. Uh, So who is the uh, indomitable Allison Sullivan? I'm trying to decide if I'm offended. <laughs> that's that's an inside joke for people who that have listened know, to the show in the last I few know, weeks. Yeah. Um, so are you asking me about me? No, I'm asking Sam who isn't well, here. Yes, I don't I'm asking know. You about so you. who am I? I mean, I who am I? I'm glad to be here for one because as I was leaving, sixty um, percent of my kids were crying all at the same. That's three out of five. Okay, I was like, well, six, yeah. six out of ten? <laughs> no, you shush it over there. <laughs> but my, so as I was leaving, my very capable, lovely husband, I'm like, thank you, boyfriend, for taking care of the kids that are crying. And so I'm glad to be here because you're not crying. I'm not crying. So not, I, not yet. It's early. <laughs> yeah, it's early. Um, so I'm a mom. Um, I have five kids. We just adopted our fifth from China. He happens to have Down syndrome. I spend a lot of time um, trying to make little disciples. That is my first charge. In about 2015, I wrote a book, which has led to a lot of speaking opportunities, a lot of ministry things that I never knew was on the horizon, but I'm so excited to participate in. It's an honor. Um, I love to write. So I have a podcast. It's called Center Saint Sister. <laughs> that was a weird transition. I love to write. So I have a podcast. <laughs> well, it's weird how one thing leads to another because a, a lot, you know, the the writing led to the speaking. I mean, I'll speak if God asks me to, and I'll write if God asks me to, but what I really am loving is this podcasting. Um, so it's just, you know, writing and, and speaking are so solitary. And then podcasting is just this great collaborative effort that I get a lot out of. All so. the time, except for last week here. It was not collaborative yeah. at all. It was just me sitting in a room by myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. So I had to make it collaborative again. And, well, I haven't listened come. to that episode yet, so I got to go check it out. It's still early. 
<laughs> okay, so I have to follow up on a few things now. So you texted me earlier saying you were hiring a babysitter. And yes. then you just told me that your husband is at home. Did you like how much are you paying him to watch the children? <laughs> no, yeah, husbands don't babysit; they're your children too. Um, no, so my husband's event got canceled. Oh, fantastic! Because of the crazy weather. Oh, crazy! There's a lot of people out there, by the way, with some really bad umbrellas. Let's let's dig into this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a bad umbrella is. I don't even well, use umbrellas. I'm telling you, people are walking around. Tra- I mean, it's it's chaos out there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All these like class let out and everybody's fumbling around. They've got cheap umbrellas. I mean, are you an umbrella person? I'm not. <laughs> no, either. I'm a run through the parking lot person. I am. Too, I sprinted through the parking lot last week to get I, over here. I barely have a coat. I mean, just get inside. Yeah, I mean, inside is the best invention of all time. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just hustle. You know, on those personality test type things, they always, you know, they have all these questions, and I can never really answer them because I'm like, it, it depends. The one that I can answer really well, like all caps, italicized, bold, is: Are people moving fast enough for you? And the answer is always no. No one's moving fast enough for me. So I'm all about just get out, get out of the car, get into the building, just go, move faster. So, like, when it's raining, here's what I picture. Mm-hmm. You get home, you sprint into the house and abandon your children in the car. and like, mm. fend for yourself. Good luck, children. I hope you make it inside. I won't say it's never happened. Okay. Let's, let's Speaking of the bad weather. Yes. I want to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly of my week mm-hmm. because it involved a lot of the weather. Oh, okay. I'm not happy. Okay. Uh, but before we do that, I, I still want people to get to know you a little bit. Oh. So, let's do the good, the bad, okay. and the ugly of your week. Like the happiest and crappiest. Sure. Are you allowed to say crappiest on your show, Probably, Taylor? I'm not, but you can. I okay, think. great. Yeah. I am okay. Um, so, um, well, the good thing is that I got to speak on campus, and um, I love speaking to college students. They're my favorite human. I think they're perfect people. Wait, they are the perfect human? Like you think they are mm-hmm. hive mind? Like they are just one person? Um, co- yes, th- that individual, that aged individual. It's like they're young enough so that they are humble and they have seeking hearts and open hands. And I just think God has a lot of room to move in a soul like that, you know, and, um, but yet they're old enough to, you know, have some life experiences under their belt. And so own their own umbrellas. Yes. And have deep thoughts. So you can have interesting conversations. Anyways, I got to speak on campus. That was the high note. The low note was this weekend. I don't know if it was the rain. I don't know if it was a hormonal shift. I don't know what happened, but I'm telling you a terribly foul mood descended on me like the dewfall. It was really bad. And the difference between a terribly bad mood and a moderately bad mood is that a terribly bad mood, you just know to kind of sequester yourself, to just not scar or harm the people who love you. I don't know what sequester means. Um, What's it called when you need, you know, you, you, you ostracize yourself. Ostriches are very fast. They move fast enough. Oh, quarantine. When you get sick. Quarantine. Yes. Yes. I was quarantined when I had swine flu. I I understand that. Yeah. Same thing. I almost died. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, in my re- in, in a, with a moderately bad mood, you you know you feel kind of you can assert yourself and, and take liberties and perhaps harm people. But when you're in a really bad mood, you know to just you know for the good of the people, let's get some alone time. Perhaps Anyways, harm people. <laughs> so that was my crappiest, happiest, crappiest. Okay, what about you? I need to hear about this trip okay. because listen, when I text you, the wait time like quadrupled while you were gone. I mean, there must have been crazy things happening. Well, most of it, I was in the air on an airplane. So it's really hard to text from there. So I just want to, we're going to go through this a couple of times because I went through good and bad and the ugly and many cycles (laughs) throughout this this weekend. Okay. So uh, 
I started this weekend a little early. I'm Thursday. Okay. I drove up to Dallas to speak at the Dallas Ministry Conference. I was really excited about awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Like, uh, that is the good. Mm-hmm. I, I spoke on becoming a master of group facilitation. Like, that's that it has a fancy name. Like, I'm not a master of anything, but they wanted to you know, have a fancy name. So cool. Sounds impressive. Um. So I drove up there, had great conversations at the conference, great community, uh, reuniting with people that I haven't seen in a long time. Like it's like that Catholic community all comes together. Like there's always those conferences with booths and stuff. Boothies, boothuses, boothuses. Many, uh, many a booth. And so I got to see a lot of my my friends I hadn't seen in a while. I also got to meet. I got to do what my mom told me not to when I was a young child. I got to meet a lot of my friends from the internet. <laughs> oh, right. So I, I met Zach Mabry on okay. that Thursday. Good. I totally met safe. Sister Andrew Marie. Yes. Daughters of St. Paul. I got to meet her. That was really exciting. Uh, I got to meet Father Anthony Sarapa on Monday. We'll get to that part in a second. Uh-huh. But here's, here's the bad. Okay. Uh, not quite the ugly. This is just the bad. The little mediocre, right? I had a nightmare two nights before the, the conference that uh, only two people showed up to my session. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had another dream the night before that there were more people at my session, but I wa- it was because I walked into the wrong session. Like it wasn't my session. Like I started leading the group and they were uh, like, no, we want the good person. Yes. You know, like it wasn't me. And then I went into my room and there were, there were two people, right? So that was the, that was the, okay. I, I ended up having, let's get back to the good. I ended up having more than two people in my session. It was, Fantastic. It, was, it, was, it was almost full, really cool, had a lot of fun. Back to the bad. Okay. So Thursday, drive to Dallas. Friday, drive back from Dallas. And growing up in Houston, like I'm required to not like Dallas as a yeah. as a location. We're like, bred that way, aren't yeah, we? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was just born in it, bred in it. Okay. Just a little Bane quote for our, our Batman friends. <laughs> I think Bruce Wayne listens to the show, actually. Clearly. Um, so I had a strange moment in Dallas. I'm driving through and I'm like, this place is beautiful. Like, I can't think that as a, as a person from Houston. Like, I have to not like everything about mm-hmm. Dallas. I was like, this is beautiful. Immediately following that thought, I get stuck in Dallas 5 o'clock traffic for an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Oh, it was so bad. No longer beautiful. Okay. Uh, that's just a little bit mediocre. Here's where it gets bad. Okay. I am traveling to – I have to fly to Pittsburgh to go to Ohio. They're right next to each other. Um, on Saturday. So I could have flown out of Dallas. But I decided to come home because it was my baby, my one-year-old's birthday Mm. on Friday. So I got to see her as she slept creepily on Friday night. And then like Saturday, we were going to celebrate her birthday. We were going to go have lunch together as a family. We were going to go to the pumpkin patch. It was was great. And then I was going to fly from College Station to Dallas and then from Dallas to Pittsburgh and then be picked up and driven to where I needed to go. Um, I got a notification. Mm -hmm. At noon, like as we were leaving the house to go to the pumpkin patch and then go get lunch. Mm-hmm. Your flight has been canceled oh. from College Station to Dallas. And I'm like, can you even do that? <laughs> like, it's four hours from now. Like, I was supposed wow. to fly out at like four o'clock. Oh. And so I'm like, okay, well, my flight from, from Dallas to Pittsburgh is still good yeah. for now. Oh. So I call American Airlines. Like, is this flight still good? Like, you didn't cancel anything. You didn't change anything. Because they were like, oh, we'll just give you another flight for free. It was like Monday. I'm like, I'm speaking at a conference That's, on yeah. Sunday. That's not oh, good enough. Oh, my blood pressure is rising. Oh, I, I cannot tell you how stressed I was. I was yeah. like shaking. So we go to uh, celebrate the birthday. But 
I'm stressed out. We yeah. can't we cancel the pumpkin patch. I oh, go eat lunch. I'm sorry. I can't even eat. Like most people have seen me who don't know <laughs> me. There are not many times that I am not eating. Like I, I love to eat. And I didn't eat it all. I couldn't eat. Like I hadn't even oh. had breakfast. And I was just like so stressed out that I couldn't eat. Uh, so, you know, I was a bad person. <laughs> like, just like, come on, kids, hurry up, eat. You know, like yeah. didn't have fun at all. Have to get in the car, drive back to Dallas. Oh my so goodness. Thursday, drive to Dallas. Friday, yes. drive home. Yes. Saturday, drive to Dallas. Trying to make this flight. Trying to make this flight, the, right? Uh-huh. I get there with like an hour to spare, right? An hour to like park. <laughs> then I was like, okay, I'm flying back to College Station. How am I going to get my car home? Like, am I going to have to like fly back to Dallas and then right. drive from there? Right. I call my buddy. He, ironically enough, is in Dallas, who works with me. He was over the conference, didn't have a car to get back. No way. So he, I go to his house. He drops me off, and then he drives my car home oh on Monday. Wow. Also, in all this stress, I forgot that I'm a Texan going to the north oh. in the middle of, like, fall. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. So I didn't pack a coat, so he gave me a coat, and he's, like, five, six, maybe. So it was very short, but it was a really cool jacket. <laughs> Provision, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, it was great. So uh, get there. Mind you, did all that. Like, I, I flew up there. I, I definitely didn't break the law by speeding. Mm-hmm. Not once. Mm-hmm. Uh, get there. Hour to spare. I get in. Go to my go to the gate. Delayed for an hour. And then another hour. I was delayed for three and a half hours. I was so frustrated. I could have hung out with my baby. <laughs> okay. So then I'm, okay. All that happens. I'm like, okay. Like, it's going to be fine. I'm going to get there. I'm going to stay at a hotel. I'm going to get like five hours of sleep. I'll rock it. Like, it'll be fine. Adrenaline. Adrenaline. Holy spirit. Yeah, it's it's going to be gonna great. It's going to be fine. So I think all the bad stuff is over. We get in, we get in the plane, right? And then I'm like, okay. I call the guys picking me up. He's going to have to pick me up at like 1230 at night. Blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I land. You know, like you have to have airplane mode on, airplane mode on, mode on your phone. Wow, that was hard to say. Uh, I'm so stressed about it that I can't even talk. I turn <laughs> airplane. Yeah, it's a re-traumatization. I, <laughs> I turn airplane mode off. And I get like 19 texts from my wife. And it's just pictures of our living room for the third time in three years no. flooding because no. of all the rain. So my wife is at home while I'm on this flight to Pittsburgh oh, on the Taylor. baby's birthday, sweeping water out, vacuuming water out of our Honey. living room. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. It's like, Lord, why have you forsaken me, right? <laughs> so let's get to the good. The next day, the conference was fine. Like, I, I spoke, we had a blast. It was the Diocesan Youth Conference for the Diocese of Steubenville. Had a blast. Got to speak with the kids. Uh, they enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Tons of fun. Um, we got to get to some more ugly, though. This, it's not over. I'm still <laughs> stuck on your house. I'm still stuck on your wife sweeping she out. She was almost stuck in the rainwater. house. <laughs> so, I just, on the flight back, like, uh, the conference is great. Flight back, I just knew something was going to happen. Like, I just knew. Like, I I figured that I was going to be stuck in Pittsburgh for like a week. Like, you know, that would make sense with like my luck when traveling. So I figured something was going to happen. I get to the airport. And I go through TSA, right? Um, Let's just say, how can I say this? The man, I I go through the the little thing we had to like put your arms up. Yeah. And they like, you know, check you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I come out of that thing and this guy goes, I have to pat down your back. And like usually that's what they do because I always wear my necklace and they tell me to like take it off of my chest, put it around in my back so they can see it. 
And then they just pat down the necklace. He's like, I have to t- pat down your back and your backside. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. And he was like, do you want a private room or do you want to do it out here? I said, excuse me? <laughs> like, like, that's not the normal thing. Uh, let's just say this TSA guy and I got very acquainted. <laughs> really? Yeah, very acquainted. I'll let you figure it out from there. Wow. Um, then he like uses he pulls out this like strange contraption. I'm like, nope. And I'm like, then he uses it on my hands. I'm like, okay. And hold so, on. Did you, you did you reject the private room? I did because I didn't know of he course. was. I didn't know yeah. we were going to get to know each other so well, okay. right? So I'm just standing there, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but then he takes this thing out and starts like stroking my palms with mm-hmm. this thing, mm-hmm. and I go, "What is that?" Because he had ex- he had been explaining everything like step by step, and uh, talked very quietly. By the way, he was like, Psh. I was like "What? <laughs> I'm going to touch you? Psh. What? <laughs> you know, like I was, whatever. I don't care. You know." And he starts, and I said, "Well, what is that?" He said. Uh, we're checking for bomb residue. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're checking for bomb residue. Apparently, my backpack went through this okay. whole time. It had nothing to do with me and the little, like, they get to see everything, right? It was my backpack. I had these, like, uh, this is embarrassing. This is the embarrassing part of the story. Uh, hi- vitamin C gummies, because I'm a small child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, th- they thought, like, the sugar from the the vitamin C gummies was bomb residue. What? So, uh <clears throat> That happens, right? And then, then I was like, okay, like this has to be over now, right? So then I'm on, I'm do, I'm on Instagram telling this story. Whatever. So I say bomb in an airport, right? Because oh, I'm saying like they're taking for bomb. Mercy. Right? As I'm doing the story, this TSA agent no. opens a door like no. out of a wall. Like no. it's, it's literally just a wall, and she just opens it. And she walks by, and like <laughs> you can see it in my Instagram story. I just go blah 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 blah. <gasps> Oh, my goodness. It was tremendously hilarious. Like, they didn't say anything. It was fine. And here's – there's there's finally some good news. You have met your quota. Oh, it, it was ridiculous. I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. No more story. No more story. So it ended on, on a good note, though. So after all this terrible travel, I, I actually had to change shirts because I was so stressed out by the TSA guy that I sweat through the last shirt I had. But thank God I had my merchandise – in my bag. Oh, right. So I pulled out a Forte Catholic shirt. I put it on. I never wear it in, in the in the uh, airport because I don't want to wear incriminating things. You know? okay. I just don't want to answer the questions. But this time it was really good. Lo and behold, three sisters, like religious sisters, uh-huh. come out of the plane. They see my shirt. Huh. And one of them says, I, I like your shirt. I said, well, I like your garb as well. You know, they're all like <laughs> that. And I have this conversation with them. And we talk for five to ten minutes about what I do, what they do. Cool. We know some similar people. Yeah. And then another of their sisters come out, one of whom is Mother Superior of their order, by the way. Wow. A, 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 a group yeah. of, Fran- of the Franciscans. They pray for me mm. in the middle of in the middle oh. of the city. There's like hundreds of people around. They pray for me. Like they all take turns. They all take like – I mean we prayed for like five minutes. Yeah. And they just prayed over me and I was just like, you know what? I told them after. I was like, you know what? It's been a pretty terrible – a traveled experience experience this week, but y'all just made it a lot better. Oh, so thank that's you. Awesome. So God is near. That is the good, bad, and the ugly yeah. of my week. It was quite interesting, but <laughs> hey, I got good content for the show. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Our guest this week is Andreas Widmer, a former Swiss guard. This guy is phenomenal, super intriguing. Uh, stay tuned for that.
Howdy folks, welcome back into part two of Forte Catholic for today. I am your host, Taylor Schroll, and we are going to get right in to our interview with one of the most fascinating men of all time right now, Andreas Whitmer. So I am here with our special guest for the day, a man who is in the running for most interesting man in the world. That's me saying that. He didn't say that. He'll, he'll tell you otherwise. But I am really excited to be interviewing uh, this man who has done so much in our world and for the church, Andreas Widmer. Andreas, how are you doing this fine afternoon, sir? I'm very blessed. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm glad to be here. I'm very glad to have you. Very, very glad. Uh, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. So I want to get to know you a little bit because we just met a few minutes ago, and I want our audience to get to know you a little bit. So uh, we'll just walk very quickly through some of the things that you've done in your life. Uh, the first thing that I see, like when I searched for you on Wikipedia on your website, you are a, a former Swiss guard for J- John Paul II. That had to be an interesting experience. That was the experience of my life, I tell you. I, I think it was one of those, uh, you know, on the train tracks, you have certain, uh, what do you call those, the, the parts of the train that go then one way or the other. And it was one of those areas and one of those experiences in my life that ended up defining pretty much the rest of my life. Yeah. That's fantastic. We're going to get a little bit more into that later because you wrote a book about that experience, and that's going to lead into our discussion for the day. Uh-huh. But just so, some of the other things that I see, uh, the our friend, our mutual friend who arranged this uh, interview, he sent me an email about that you uh, you boomed in the dot-com era, and he was joking with me because I'm 28, so I was very young in the dot-com era. So <laughs> he was like, I'm not sure if you know what that is, but uh, <laughs> but you are a businessman. You work in business ethics. You teach business ethics at the Catholic University of America. And uh, so you got your start in the Swiss Guard, but then moved into the dot-com area. Why don't you just give us a brief overview of what that time was like, what you did in that time? Yeah, so... I was very blessed with a career. I, when I came to America, I I met some people who were, you know, I came to Boston, Massachusetts, and went to school um, there. And I ended up meeting some uh, some uh, a company, some friends who ended up uh, being the ones who uh, ported. It's a technical term. They ported the Internet Protocol to the PC, so to make PCs able to be on the internet uh, <laughs> in 1990. And that turned out to be like a, a volcanic eruption of uh, of a business, and that you know just like too uh, too good to be believed. It's just that we just it was a rocket ship, and then um, and we went public with that company and everything. And I ran uh, everything outside of the United States for that company, and then. Um, I joined another company afterwards. Again, I do sort of uh, technology startups is what I do. And and I helped another company do this called Dragon Systems. And they are the company that invented speech recognition like Siri on your iPhone and things like that. And there again, you know, I, I joined that. Uh, there were great engineers that I met and that did this. And I'm sort of the 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 product add-on and the business side of things to say okay how do you bring this to market how do you make this into a, um, a, a appropriate value proposition how do you make this into a company because the technology in a company is not the same thing it's and yeah and, and so i was just very blessed to be in the right place in the right time uh, with these with these opportunities it's uh, it's amazing 
<laughs> I'm just fascinated by it all. Two follow-ups from that. Uh, first of all, a lot of people say that Bill Gates invented the internet. I think we just heard from you that you did. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Yeah. See, actually, just as a point of clarification, the internet was invented in the 60s by the U.S. military um, to to prevent somebody taking down the communication system of the U.S. military, you know, in a nuclear war or something like that. And it was just between these large Unix computer servers. And then what what we did, along with a couple of other companies, is to to teach personal computers to speak that language of Unix computers. That's really what we did. And that's why they call that porting TCPIP, which is the communication protocol of, of Unix computers, porting that to the PC. That's what we did. And yeah, the Bill Gates didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> I'm very glad there are people much, much smarter than me in this world because I really appreciate the internet being on my computers and I have you to thank, uh, and you and your crew. The other interesting thing is I remember Dragon Dictation. I used it in college. So when I was looking up, uh, you know, and like you said, like now we all use Siri and that was kind of the beginnings of all that. But I remember before Siri even came out and using this, this voice to text, voice to take notes in college. Yeah on dragon and i was like hey look you made that good for you <laughs> it's cool because my son is actually using it and he's 14 and so he wasn't uh, he wasn't even born when i was with that company and um he has dyslexia and and um this product dragon systems uh, dragon naturally speaking is a product that actually started off with this vision to say let's make computers usable for those people who can't use it because either they don't know how to type or they, or they have certain disabilities. And one of them is, of course, dyslexia. And it's just beautiful how this grace comes around. And I see my son using this now, and it helps him so much in, in writing. And, uh, you know, somebody with dyslexia might have some issues with, with writing, but not with uh, talking. And so it's just a beautiful, I mean, these products, um, they're a great blessing. I'm, I'm very proud to have been involved in them. But again, I don't invent anything. I'm a business person. I, I bring this stuff to market. So I don't have anything to do with inventing any of these things. Well, I don't know those people. So I'm going to continue with the idea that you yeah. invented all of it. Yeah, <laughs> so, great. Uh, yeah, and, and just as a, as a side note, our producer here, producer Sam for the show, uh, she is dyslexic and she, uh, she uses the voice to text all the time. So that's absolutely phenomenal. We all get to use yeah. it, but it's really cool to hear that that was one of the original, original thoughts behind it. So then you got into this philanthropic work that I, that I was able to read about this morning. Why don't you just tell people a little bit about what you were able to do there? So it, it, there was a step in between. I started to work uh, in, a, in a business consulting. I, I, I joined a, uh, one of the large business consulting groups because I wanted to learn more about business strategy. And uh, this is the business consulting group of the Harvard business professors. And so I joined that and I ended up uh, spinning one of the one of the companies out of that company to make its own company and we would focus on uncertain environments uh uncertain uh you know strategy environments which is for of course the software industry where you're a small company and you 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 know the metaphor is that you dance with gorillas and you're a chimp and so you know if microsoft <laughs> makes one wrong step they step on you and there's nothing you can do um but then it turns out that our most uh, valiant customers were in emerging markets. These were companies that had to work with normal companies, but because they were in emerging markets, they had to deal with all kinds of uncertainties, including 
economic like uh, the uncertainty of their value the currency the uncertainty of their political system and all that and yet the same strategies that i used in the software industry worked there and so i became by just by the by by the course of that business very familiar with emerging markets and with poor countries we had office at the end we had offices in afghanistan in brazil in jamaica eastern europe you name it i mean Vietnam, all kinds of places. And um, I became very interested in seeing that often I see business, people forgot that business is the source of prosperity and not government. And too often I saw well-intentioned efforts, both by government and the church, trying to help poor people escape poverty and actually uh, hurting rather than helping, sort of the idea when helping hurts. And and that could all be fixed with a with the right approach and the right method at the right time. And so I started to, uh, a philanthropy with a couple of friends, where we would go around and show, you know, usually philanthropists they go to so, sort of around and toot their own horn or something. And what we wanted to do is to find the best entrepreneurs in emerging markets and then hold them up as role models. So that the local community can say, this person was just like me and they did this and I can be like that. And to inspire others in those markets. And that worked very well. We we did, if, if you're interested, you can see a movie called uh, Poverty Inc. It's on Netflix and, and a lot of the entrepreneurs in there, I'm in the movie myself just talking about it. But a lot of the entrepreneurs in there are people that we found and and, and uh, uh, rewarded in, in with, with our philanthropy. And... So that made me move into this whole idea in philanthropy um, of saying work itself uh, has is, is part of the issue of poverty and not just material pro- poverty, but also poverty and scarceness of dignity. That if we value the truth, John Paul says, we don't just look at them as a problem, but we look at the poor as people with unfulfilled potential that we look at the poor as a potential rather than a problem. And that potential always has to do with uh, working with them and doing business with them and growing with them. And that's, uh, you know, that's true solidarity. I think we've all just, just in listening to you, I'm like, yeah, this guy is brilliant. And I, I, I still, I still believe that you can, you are in the running for most interesting man in the world. You've been able to share about. By the way, look, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to take too much of the press because these are none of these are my ideas. Right. <laughs> I mean, th- this is just anybody who pays attention, and especially these are the fruits of the of the deep Catholic thinking. I'm so discouraged sometimes when I see people that if if the Catholic Church was what they think it is, I wouldn't be a part of this either. But Man, when, when, if you pay attention and you read what, even just recently, what what a, uh, what, what a, a John Paul or a Benedict or even Francis says on these issues, is so deep and so true that um, sometimes uh, the complaints about the church are, are are born out of ignorance, and and a lot of what I'm saying are are just long-standing deep Catholic truths. 
and that's what I want to get into next because I think we've heard of your business acumen. We have heard of of your deep faith and your experiences with with John Paul with. Um, learning from all these great popes. So you are currently teaching business ethics at the Catholic University of America, and I want to get into what business yeah. ethic, uh, what business ethics. A little, co- uh, yeah, a little correction. I'm, I actually teach business. I actually teach entrepreneurship. Uh, um, it's sort of ethics is a part of it, but we'd like to not s- separate out ethics out of business. You see what I mean? I got like you. It's, uh, ethics is part of every course. So actually, I teach entrepreneurship. But it certainly has an ethical part to it, yes. Once again, the internet lied to me. I got all this information from the internet yeah. about you. So. Yeah. <laughs> so in your work with Catholic University of America, what are what is like the biggest thing that y'all are teaching um, these young people about entrepreneurship and ethics within that? Business is a vocation. You know, Pope Francis recently said, business is not just a, mo- a vocation, it's a noble vocation. It goes back to the whole vision. What, what we do here at CUA is, I'm sure you've heard of John Paul's theology of the body. We apply that to business. Oh, wow. when, we, when we work, we don't just make more, we become more. When we work, we deeply imitate God in his creative power. God allows us to enter into his creative power. And our stewardship mandate is, uh, is directed towards us continuing uh, God's creative creativity in the Garden of Eden. And that becomes, because you're, you're invited by God to do this, that becomes a deep vocation, a call from God into his, to share into his creativity. And that, of course, makes work a very, it makes your attitude and your vision of work a very different thing. Um, we teach and we, we, we try to, show the students that what they really get is an opportunity to create goods that are truly good. We show them that there is a real way to provide services that truly serve. With our free will, however, we are given a choice. It's just like how we use any one of God's gifts, that that God, in, in his infinite wisdom, which sometimes doesn't make sense to me, is he gave us this free will to choose every day. And I can choose the most horrible things if I... I can you imagine <laughs> the, the, the patience of a father who just lets me make the stupidest decision I could possibly <laughs> make and just still love me, but totally let me do it. And, and so, but, but we need to understand the meaning of this. And you see, we start at CUA, the business school... Just with all of this, what good is it for me to teach you finance, to teach you accounting and marketing and sales and all that? And trust me, we teach you the best of this. But what good is this for me to teach this to you and not first teach you about why are we doing this and for what and for who? If we understand that the goal of our life at the end is eternal happiness and and be in heaven with God, and that what I do here on earth has something to do with this. Wouldn't you want to know this before I teach you accounting or something else? You see what I mean? Yeah, you get the why to, behind it before the what exactly. even comes out. Yeah. And you know what? It's, I'm, I, was, I, I must admit, I was a horrible student myself. Um, and, and much of it, I believe, was because I just didn't see the point in all of this. You're teaching me some book, and I don't want to sit here, and this makes no sense to me anyway. And I just, nobody ever got, gave me the big picture. 
So now that I teach, the first thing as I do is I give you the very big picture. It's called a, a class I just started two weeks ago with my students now, and it's called the vocation of business. And in it, I show the connection between you as a person, your relationship to God, and therefore your invitation to work with others through that stewardship mandate to, in a sense, continue the creation of the world. And that we call that work. And to, and to show and, and to just magnify that or, or, or show that every one of my students starts a business then. Because I often say, you know, how would you feel if I teach you to swim? And first we do 15 hours or five semesters of theory. <laughs> or, I thought I was going to be able to go in the maybe, pool, man. <laughs> yeah, should we maybe just, you know, jump in? I mean, the way I learned to swim is my dad threw me in the pool. I mean, he was there. He wasn't, he wasn't going to let me die, but he threw me in the pool, and, and lo and behold, I swam. And then everything makes sense. Well, I'm there to throw them in the pool first semester, third class. And right now, they're all starting a business. These are 18-year-old freshmen second third week of their of their school and i guarantee you one thing after this experience with me in the first semester they will all know why they're learning accounting why they're doing finance why they're doing marketing why they're doing operational behavior and so on and they also know for who and to what end that is that's and, a, it's a uh, brilliant it's, idea and it's great for me to be able to hear you share that that you are sharing with them, that business is a vocation, to hear you say it, to hear you share what the popes are saying, that this is an important thing. Because, I mean, one, we've already seen all this stuff that you've been able to help with that have helped the world. And also, I mean, that's the primary thing, but also because of you doing well in business, you've been able to be philanthropic. It means a lot specifically to me. I live life as a missionary. Like this is, you know, we're all together in one body of Christ and we all have different gifts. My gifts are in ministry. Your gifts are in this teaching and in the business side. And together we can do some great things. And then also like because of the fruit of your labor, the fruit of the labor of so many great businessmen, like I couldn't be a missionary without some great businessmen behind me and supporting me monthly financially. Obviously that's not the main reason you work, but it's a great, it's a great side effect as well. It's the question of profit always comes up. And, and uh, if you allow me, I just want to say a few points sure. here because is it, is it permissible? Is it okay for a Christian to run a profit, uh, profitable business? How much profit is enough? And so on and so forth. So, so I first want to say that the business doesn't exist merely to produce a profit. Yet without the profit, the business would be dead. Right. And therefore, you have a moral obligation to have a profit. I'd like to compare it to the analogy of saying, you know, right now uh, that you're right now you're sitting at the at this uh, uh, desk and, and we're both sitting at the desk. Are you thinking about white blood cells at all right now? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. But, you know, if I take them away, it would take an hour and you'd be dead. Well, that wouldn't be good. So how could you afford not to think about white blood cells? Because <laughs> somebody else because is. Um, because your your white blood cells are a product of your system that you have, and because you're breathing healthy air, and you've uh, had something to drink, and you had lunch, and you um, move on a regular basis, and you have a healthy lifestyle, you won't have to worry about the white blood cells. There's no point in worrying about white blood cells. There's only a point in worrying about a healthy life. 
And this is a bit like profit. There's no point in worrying about profit because you can't snap your finger and create profit. Believe me, I've tried it many times. What you do is you run a, pro you run a company that is inherently other-directed, that solves people's problems and creates win-win situations with its customers, and you will have more profit than you'll ever need. That's a truly Christian approach to it, to actually look at the market and say, how may I serve you? And then to truly, you know, to, to go back to this term again, to produce goods that are truly good and to provide services that truly serve. And you shall have uh, enough profit to do whatever it is that you need to do. And might I add, God has never created anything that isn't profitable. And so when we imitate God, there is that aspect of it. But there is not a seed, there is not a tree, not even stones are unprofitable because they, but the, but the lava and everything we see in Haiti, have, have, they're making new stones right now. Right now. <laughs> and God is, uh, love is abundant. Um, God shows us a mentality, a life of abundance, uh, 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 not a life of scarcity. And therefore, uh, profitability in that sense has a deep uh, Christian meaning. Well, Andreas, I want to thank you for your time. I want to uh, just thank you for your, your business. Thank you for your th philanthropic work. And thank you for coming on and sharing with us today. I want people to go check out your book uh, that, that covers a lot of this, The Pope and the CEO. It's your story and also shares a lot about ethics, about business, about, entrepreneur, about uh, uh, entrepreneurship um, from the St. Paul Center. They can find it on Amazon. The Pope and the CEO, John Paul II's Leadership Lessons to a Young Swiss Guard by Andreas Widmer. Um, anything else that you'd like to point the people to before we end our time here today? Um, if you want to come and check out our our website, um, it's uh, cua.edu, or for the actual business uh, part of it is business.business.catholic.edu, uh, business and you can go on there. My center that I run is called the Sioka Center, and I am so I'm. We are very involved in trying to help business people, Catholic Christian business leader leaders to get to the next level and find that uh, deeper vocation. I'd, I'd be happy to uh, have people reach out to me. Well, that's great. Thanks so much. This was a blast. I hope to have you on again some other time in the future to go even deeper into these topics. But uh, for now, thank you so much for coming on. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. All right, folks, we'll be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. I am joined today by guest co-host Allison Sullivan from the Center Saint Sister podcast. We're going to continue something that we did last week, Miss Sullivan, as you dance to our music by Mr. Brandon Morell. I do love it. It's fun. So last week, because I was going to be alone, I yeah. didn't want to, I didn't, 
want to do the show alone and I didn't want to produce the show alone. Mm-hmm. Like one thing that Sam does, she helps me run through some ideas. Mm-hmm. So I just crowdsourced the show mm. and the crowd showed up. Like I have content for weeks wow. from these people. So we'll see when they get tired of me answering their own questions. Yeah. But we can do it. And, and I wanted to get um, a real uh, superstar, a real person to actually come answer these questions Where? besides me. Where? Uh, <laughs> they'll be here. And now we welcome in... <laughs> So uh, we're just going to jump right into it because I think uh, there's a couple of these questions that I think you have uh, uh, a special insight into. Okay. And I didn't prepare an answer. So I'm just going to have you answer them. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Great. So uh, Father Anthony Sharapa, uh, who I met on Monday. We finally met in person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Met a stranger from the internet and I'm not dead. He said – what are the qualities you look for in new friends, and why instead do you habitually befriend jerk faces? So, f- first of all, I- I'm I don't know if he's talking about h- himself because I recently befriended him and a right. bunch of, of, of his right. friends. Um, but like, so he's being a jerk face by ans- by asking this question. Yeah. But we're going to make it a real question. I mm-hmm. actually, what are the qualities that you, Miss Sullivan, mm-hmm. look for in new friends? And before you answer, mm-hmm. the reason that I think you have insight into this mm-hmm. is that you have an awesome community of women here mm-hmm. in, the, in, the com- in the actual local community. Mm-hmm. But then also the community around your podcast mm-hmm. is really cool. I've yeah. got to interact with some of them. It's fantastic. So I'm going to shut up now. And Kay. you're going to tell me what qualities you look for in new friends. And I'm going to learn. Yeah. Well... Thank you for noticing that. I do put a lot of investment towards friendships. I love, love, love women. Um, For me, one thing that I think is a really sweet aspect of a deepening friendship is somebody that can celebrate with you. Um, So there's a lot of people that will be with you when you're down and out. I mean, if you even think about, you know, a a flat tire, um, a stranger will pull over to help you change your tire. But there's not a lot of people in the world that can get excited about what you get excited about. So if you think about your biggest victory, who are the people that are going to jump up and down with you, excited with you and for you? So if I were to call somebody and say, I got the spot on Oprah, you know, would they say, no way, what are you going to wear? Um, and so I think that it's... Wait, that- wait, wait, is that how women react to things? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we need to go shopping. We need to figure out. We need to figure out the shoes. Stat. Yeah, so I'm gonna go speak at the conference. Oh my gosh, bro, what are you gonna wear? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, there might be some interest in in subject matter, but you know, I think that it is important to have somebody willing to come alongside you in your victories because it's a little litmus test of the purity of your relationship. And when you think about it, when you really think about it, it's not necessarily the people that you think it should be. It's not the friend that you've had the longest. It might not even be your mom or your sister. It might not, you know, it might not be your brother or Who are my brother? Who are my mother? <laughs> exactly. Yes. My my mother and brothers are the ones who do my will. <laughs> and I think one reason that I that it's so important to me is I am naturally a, a all glory to God. I'm a good cheerleader. I love, you know, rooting people on in whatever race they're running. And if you told me right now, Taylor, that you wanted to go like, I want to tame tigers, I would start Googling where to find dangerous ones oh, for please you. Please tell me to not do that. <laughs> please, for my sake. Whatever and it for is. for the sake of my children. I really feel passionately about helping people find gifts. And so I think that just in return, it's important to me too. So Yeah, so it's funny because the opposite thing drives me insane. So I absolutely agree with you. Mm. The thing, the saying that I despise the most in mm-hmm. the world 
is, oh, good. For, you know, you know, it must be nice. That's what it is. Ooh. So you get Oprah. Ouch. And I'm like, oh, must be nice. Ouch. And it's like, yeah. what the heck, man? Like, yeah. not only are you not celebrating with me, but you're trying to take my excitement and make me yeah. feel bad for you. It's like, <laughs> in those moments, I'm like, I just brush it off. I don't, I don't care. I'm happy. I don't care yeah. if you lie. You know? Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's just like, how do you want me to react in those situations? It's right. like jerk faces. That's what people are being. And then there's, you know, there's, for me, loyalty is a big deal. Um, I'm kind of a fiercely loyal person. It's something that my friends really enjoy about me because if you hate her, I do. And I don't really need a good reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so I just had this friend with it. We were talking about deal breakers. What are your deal breakers? You, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that because I was like, can we can we talk about that on Catholic radio because it's like Jesus says to love your enemies. It mm-hmm. says nothing about loving your friend's enemies, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of exaggerate to make a point. I, t- I tend to to be me- I have melodramatic tendencies, Taylor. But um, but it's true that it, just talking to the microphone, Allison Sullivan. You were getting so into it. You're like, like, la la la. I know. I'm like, like dancing around, wildly <laughs> gesticulating. I'm looking up at the ceiling. What's funny is I told you the same thing 30 seconds ago and you figured it out. And this time you stopped and were like, what do you what? want from me? <laughs> what do you want? Anyways, so yeah. Okay. If you want to tame tigers, I'm in. Okay. That's not my thing, but I, well, I'm passionate about radio and you came, and you got excited about it for absolutely. me and you came and joined me today. Yes. So. I love watching you invite famous people on and- Like you. Get a bunch of, no, get a <laughs> bunch of clicks and all likes and- my little millennial friend. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what that's what that's my little nickname, and I and I like it. I'm your little millennial. Well, friend. Well, you taught me how to check my stats and things <laughs> that I didn't know existed. Yeah. So uh, here's one of my things for the qualities that I like in friends. Yeah. And uh, it's it may be a little selfish, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to set this up with a, a comic that I that I uh, I listened to uh, about a year ago, and he said he's a little older. He's probably in his 40s, still single guy. I was still dating, like looking, looking to find the woman, right? So he's just gotten tired, though. Like he's been in in bars and restaurants and around groups of women, and he's like, you know, going to buy a drink, and then it doesn't work out, and like that happens all the time, right? Yeah. So what he does now is he walks up to a group of women, and I think this is brilliant. Oh no! And he walks up to a group of women, and he said, "Well, I have a proposition for you, ladies. Oh dear. Um, all I want to know is which one of you like me." That's that's all I want to know. Which one of you likes me? I'm going to go buy a drink and oh I'm going to come back and I'll give it to the winner. Y'all discuss and decide. I'll be right back. Oh, wow. And then one of the women, like, I mean, like, it's, like, it's creative, right? Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, yeah. that's not something that happens usually. Yeah. So I, I can see people playing along. Like, it's like, whatever. And I'll go hang on. But it's like. I like people that like me. Like that's that's yeah. that's really easy, right? Right. Uh, you talked about the loyalty. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all down for the mm-hmm. loyalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sense of humor, because yeah. uh, if you don't have a sense of humor, you and I aren't going to be friends because you're going to hate me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like I've been around people who don't like me because of my humor, because right. of my sarcasm, because like because I'm silly, and it's just like. I don't know. Like if you don't want to have fun, like we're probably not going to be the first person that right. we're going to hang out with. You know. Well, I think it's, you know, keeping peace with all people. I think the one clause of that verse that gets skipped over often is as much as it is up to you. So I don't need to to change my personality. I don't need to change who I am in order for us to have this deep, thriving friendship. Um, I think that we can love and respect each other with good, healthy boundaries and 
if you make me feel bad every time we're together because you don't appreciate my sense of humor, then we can be friends at further distance, and that's okay too. Absolutely. Okay. Our next question. Yes. Uh, let's let's see if you react the same way that I did to this one. Okay. Is the filioque also from Father Anthony? Is the <laughs> filioque controversy really what keeps the Eastern and Western Church divided, or is it just a smokescreen for political and ethnic issues? Oh dear. Yeah, I didn't want to answer that one anyway. We're not answering that. He's, he's, he's literally just pushing my buttons. <laughs> like, that's, that's him being and a jerk mine. face. And mine. <laughs> okay, so um, our next question. And you, as a convert, this will be fun. I think this is our last question for the day. Okay. What is your favorite part of Catholicism? Again, mm. before you answer. I can't mm-hmm. just ask a question and then have you answer it. That would be weird. Okay. Uh, Sean of the Dead on Twitter asked this question. Yeah. He must be from Canada or Europe or something. Or somewhere incorrect because he writes favorite wrong. F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is your favorite yes. part of Catholicism? Um, well, I fell in love with the Eucharist. You know, as a convert, um, it was I was so accustomed to practicing my faith in very rationalized ways. So whether it was diagramming out a sermon or tapping into all of my emotions through praise and worship, there were these very sensible ways that I experienced the Lord. And by the way, I still enjoy experiencing the Lord that way. Um, but there was something about the Eucharist. When I experienced the Lord that way, whether it was with my intellect or with my emotions, I felt like I was on a mountaintop. And and I was, I, I could like see God's landscape before me. It was this very powerful feeling. And when I learned about the Eucharist, it did not make me feel powerful at all. It made me feel very small and feeble. And a piece of bread is more important than me infinitely. <laughs> it was just confounding. It was it was mystical and dark and honestly kind of weird. But I feel like it tapped into this part of my spirit that was lying dormant, and I just. Can't, I mean, I still don't have my head wrapped around it, but it's fascinating and I want in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like mine, anybody that listens to the show knows what mine is. It's the Eucharist. It's the, it's the main thing that keeps me yeah. Catholic. And then also I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. So confession is, oh. is, my, is my one. I'd love to get better well. at that. Yep. So, okay, Allison, thank you for coming on today. We had another fun show. How can people get connected with you? I would love for them to look at my podcast, Sinner Saint Sister. Okay. That would be awesome. Guys, go listen to it. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. We had a lot of fun recording this. Go give a follow to Miss Sullivan. Go give a follow to Andreas Widmer. This was a blast. I cannot wait to come back next week. We've got another surprise guest co-host. Can't wait to see you then. See ya! What's up, family? Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Listen, if you did enjoy it, go to wherever you are listening to podcasts right now, especially if it's in iTunes, and go rate it. Search Forte Catholic in your podcasting app. Go to write a review. Give it five stars. It'll take you 30 seconds. Just write a quick review in there. What this does is it helps other people to find the show. So if you are terrified of sharing your faith with anyone in the world, Just give a review and I'll do it for you. I'm just kidding. Share your faith with your friends. But for real, go rate the show. Hope you enjoyed today's show. You are awesome. We'll be back next week.